You're listening to the Black Eagles podcast. Buddy, episode 186 of Besiktas International, the Black Eagles podcast. I am your host, Sinan Schwarden, live from New York City, a lovely late summer day. Um, Labor Day has just passed us, for those who aren't aware in the United States. It's one day that uh, sort of exists for the workers, in theory. It's one of the last days of summer before... Um, children go back to school, uh, lots of barbecuing and grilling and stuff like that. Obviously here in the city that's less the case. Uh, in my case it's just because I'm sort of a lazy dude. Also that's not exactly true. It coincided with my wedding anniversary. So I went out and had a, uh, a lovely French meal instead of doing any grilling or anything of that sort. But so anyhow, uh, a lot of other people were having fun in their backyards or what have you. Um, as always, I'm way off topic because that's, that's what we do. It's just what we do. <laughs> um, but so yes, I am very eager to uh, present to everyone. Uh, firstly, I hope that everyone enjoyed last's episode's um, feature, if you will. Uh, the, the We Talk IX gentlemen, uh, IJAX and Sabi. So yes, this week... I'm really excited to present uh, another guest, but before I get into that, obviously I'll mention who this guest uh, is here to talk about, and that is in fact our very first opponent in the Champions League, and that is of course Borussia Dortmund. Last week I waffled, not last week, it was just actually uh, the other day, yesterday I released it, Uh, but in the last episode I kind of waffled between... Uh, I think I said Dortmund was the stronger side at the moment, and maybe Ajax the the stronger side kind of historically. And then I I ended the episode saying that perhaps Ajax were favorites in the group, perhaps to legitimize um, that one being my first preview, um, where I think technically it could have and should have been for Richard Dortmund, because in fact they are probably the strongest side in the group. Certainly they were in a higher pot, um, with the exception of pot one and, and that there's a whole sort of caveat to that pot. But anyhow, so Dortmund is, is technically the, the best side in the, in the group. Certainly by, by coefficient, that's the case. Uh, Bundesliga side as well, so they're in the strongest league in the group. Um, so most things would favor Dortmund. On the other hand, of course, Ajax has a history of overperforming in Europe and going on pretty mazy runs. Um, so, you know... I'm not gonna fully hedge what I what I said last week and how com- complimentary I was um, to Ajax, but I will say that I think certainly like Dortmund are the odds-on favorites in our group, uh, and so I'm eager to talk about them, of course. And they certainly have the 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 best player in the group individually, by way of Erling Haaland, um, a player we're all 
being flooded with highlights of, given the uh, him, him being on the, in the same group as us on the national side of Turkey with the World Cup qualifiers in Norway, um, and then of course in the Champions League too. Um, but so yeah, with uh, with that said, I think we can probably agree that Dortmund is is probably the most dangerous side for us as far as breaking open our defense. And so, you know, we'll see how they, our guys hold up. Um, quickly, of course, I, as I like to do, I'll give us a little history of Dortmund, or recent history, um, in Europe, right? And their last, let's go back to 2018-19, right? Because that was the year that Ajax went to the semifinals of the, the Champions League. And that year, Dortmund went to the round of 16, so they got through the group stage uh, and eventually lost to Tottenham. Uh, in 2019-20, again, they made it to the round of 16 before losing to PSG, and, and they made it a tough one, but last, they won the first leg, but they ended up losing 2-3, to 3-2, three, three to whatever. Uh, and then finally, last season in 2021, 2020-2021, um, they made, made it past the group of 16, the round of 16, into the quarterfinals again, before coming up against Manchester City and, you know, losing. Two to four on aggregate, losing both games, one to two. Um, so, you know, obviously that's a ton of success, relatively speaking. Um, they have historically been more successful as far as getting to the quarterfinal. So I'm sure they were glad to get back to that stage last season and will hope to maybe even build on it. Uh, I, I'll, I asked our guest about just that, of course, in the interview. And as far as the guest goes, um, I got a fantastic one vis-a-vis Stefan Butsko. Uh, Stefan is one of the hosts of the Yellow Wall podcast, which is the sort of preeminent Dortmund, certainly English language podcast. Uh, and again, he goes on in more detail as far as what what they're doing and, and the sort of you know level of uh, what, what they're doing compared to the sort of podcasting world at large. They were, in fact, one of the first. Um, so it's it was an honor to have him on, of course. Um, I made a terrible first impression. I, uh, New York City sabotaged me. Um, I was coming in from some work to, to do our interview, and I was kind of quickly trying to grab some food on the way in and be slick about it. You know, I got a coffee and, and a bagel. And... Um, in the end, I am waiting a long line, and I got stuck in a little traffic on the way back, on, on the way to there. So, I ended up being late for our interview. So, you know, there's nothing like making a terrible first impression. I was so proud of myself for the the previous one too. And then, yeah. Anyway, it was great to have him on, and um, yeah. In the end, the bagel was super dry too, so it wasn't even worth it. Terrible, terrible decision. Um, but yeah, sabotaged. But a great interview nonetheless. Um, I, he's very knowledgeable, obviously, about Dortmund. Um, it's a shame we didn't have a little more time uh, because I was a, a little late. But I think we had enough time to get the key, the key stuff covered. So, yeah, without any further ado, let's just dive right into my interview with Stefan Futsko of the Yellow Wall Podcast. So with me today, I have a very special guest, Stefan Butsko, who's, uh, who does a fantastic podcast, the Yellow Wall podcast, uh, Dortmund spe- uh, specified uh, podcast that he's been doing for even longer than I have, which 
uh, is impressive in and of itself. Um, and yeah, he's just doing great work as far as uh, content, production quality, all of it. Um, sorry if I'm making you blush over there. But so um, obviously we're talking about the Champions League and our clash, the, the big clash between our two sides upcoming. And I'm sure we have plenty of thoughts about each other's clubs. But so let me get the ball rolling with you. I guess, first of all, tell us a little bit about yourself, about your podcast, you know, how did you find Dortmund in your life? You know, to the extent, obviously, like we're we're committed to our clubs, right? So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hello. Thank you for having having me. First of all, um, yeah. Uh, my my story is very easily told. I uh, was born and raised right next to the stadium, basically. Nice. So uh, there, there there's not much of a mystery uh, <laughs> of how I fell in love with Borussia Dortmund. I was just you know I I. Uh, I can just basically walk from the stadium when I'm in Dortmund, but uh, right now I'm Philadelphia-based, so uh, we're actually in the same time zone. Yeah. Uh, Convenient. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is, it is. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Borussia Dortmund uh, is obviously uh, the, the, the heart and soul of the city of Dortmund, so there's really uh, no way around it. I mean, I know a couple of Bayern fans and, and, and so on that uh, live in the city, but uh, yeah. I, I think like 80-90% of the people are Dortmund fans and most of them are actually pretty diehard Dortmund fans. It's kind of kind of the only thing there. <laughs> well, and I mean, for good reason, right? Borussia Dortmund is, um, you know, if not in the elite sort of pantheon of football clubs, like right, right underneath there, right? Like if it's, you know, maybe not the, the Manchesters and the Real Madrids and like quite there, but certainly... There's the, if you if you know football, you know Dortmund, right? Like even even Americans. <laughs> sorry, sorry to make fun of our knowledge generally over here, right? But you're 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 probably aware. But even Americans are very well of Dortmund, right? Yeah, some have. I mean, uh, I was at a wedding recently, and I was talking to someone who uh, didn't even know how many players played, uh, you know, <laughs> per per team yeah. in soccer. So it, it it really depends. So yeah, that's that's for sure. <laughs> Definitely, for those who don't know football, they probably aren't even aware of. I mean, I, they may know like Barcelona or something like that. You know, uh, or Messi and Ronaldo. Yeah, he he. Th this guy was a bit older, so he knew Pele, and that was about it. There you go. The New York Cosmos, <laughs> maybe there. Um, no, not even that because I read that too. Like, do you know Beckenbauer? So no. <laughs> no. Oops. Anyway, let's not digress here. Yeah, we're way that's, off. That's... We do this a lot though. Um, so, uh, moving things along, um, I guess tell me a little bit about your podcast, real quickly. Like, how did you get started on that? Did you, did you just decide well, to I'm do not, it on your own? I'm not the founder of the podcast, to be honest. Uh, uh -huh. My good friend and colleague Matthias Zuck did that. Um, he uh, had this idea, just pretty similar to you. You know, there wasn't really a podcast because we're now going into our tenth season. Yeah. And uh, I think we were actually the first Dortmund podcast overall. There wasn't even a German one at that point. Now there are plenty. But nice. uh, yeah, it was just to to give the international audience a voice because when we started, it was around 2012 or so. Mm -hmm. So Dortmund were doing really well at the time. I was in, in the club years and a title winning season, double winning season. And then, uh, of course, the uh, run to the Champions League final. Mm -hmm. uh, followed and so yeah I think that was a really good time to um, start a, a podcast like that just because Borussia Dortmund obviously uh, in recent years grew massively internationally um, 
sort of con- coincided with me being hired by ESPN to be the Dom and Beat writer nice. back in the day. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it grew and grew, especially in the United States with the introduction of one Christian Pulisic. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah. Now, now Giorena is sort of uh, taking the baton, if you will, and uh, running that one too. So yeah, Dortmunds are. Uh, I want to say 7th or 8th largest city in Dortmund, very industrial town in uh, the Ruhr Valley, but uh, I think when it comes to football and passion about football, uh, they are right around number one or number two in, in the in the country. Yeah, I mean, I guess I can say this, right? I don't, I don't need to pretend like I'm being objective here. Dortmund has always been my favorite side in Germany, and I was saying the same to the Ajax guys who I spoke with, but... Uh, the Ajax model, the Dortmund model, right? Like, that's the, the kind of prototype for what you want as a football club. And I say this, like, I, I'd much prefer to succeed the way you guys have, um, developing players, having great academies, bringing in kind of, int- like, actually scouting for players abroad. Like, I, like Shinji Kagawa back in the day was an inspired, um, you know, and, and Nuri Shahin, right? I mean, there's a, there's a number of guys that I've, like, really uh, been attached to over the years that were... Um, you know, fixtures for you guys. But so it's it's sort of humbling in a sense to come into a group with the two of you guys who, who do it the right way. You know, you're, you're not like owned by oil companies and um, anything like that. But so, uh, yeah, I mean, A, I have a ton of respect for you guys as a club. B, also, uh, going back to the previous thing about your podcast, my compliments to the, uh, to the chef. But yeah, you guys are doing great work over there, I must say. But anyway, yeah, um, thank you. <laughs> you know, I, I was really impressed as I was preparing for this because I, uh, yeah, it's what you strive for is to have that kind of regular content at that quality. But anyhow, let's let's keep this. <laughs> I don't want to gas your head too much here, but um, let's move on. Like back to Besiktas briefly. I, I'm curious. Like, do you in Germany? Obviously, there are a ton of Turks, um, so I'm sure yes. you've heard a thing or two about Besiktas. But so yeah, just. You know, what have you heard about the club? What do you know about it? And maybe about Turkish football in general. I had a friend in school who was a big Galatasaray fan, so I heard a little bit from him about Turkish football. But I'll be very honest, I never really followed it whatsoever. So I, I know the teams that play in the league just because of all the transfer rumors and whatnot. And uh, some uh, players making the move to, uh, you know, a Turkish club like uh, Lukas Podolski or so. Uh, but I'll be honest, uh, it's not like I, I really follow the league at all. I mean, when I uh, had the opportunity to watch it in Germany over the zone a couple of years ago, I, I did tune in every now and then because Turkish football is fun. Uh, <laughs> my favorite thing about Turkish football, I think, are the absolute bangers that I hit from like 20 to 30 meters. Yeah, I feel like that that's something that features way heavier in, in Turkish football than in any other league. Uh, where you just blast it from the second row and somehow the ball just goes in. It's, it's amazing how uh, that works. But uh, yeah, obviously right now Besiktas is uh, uh, very interesting to Dortmund fans because of uh, Michi Bacua, right? He's sure. a former Dortmund striker. He was uh, loaned out from Chelsea, as he, I assume, is now, uh, as is uh, the batsman's fate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just be a Chelsea regular, but never actually playing there. <laughs> yeah, so, um Yeah. So yeah, I'm 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 really excited about this game because uh, obviously, uh, as as everyone would say, um, the atmosphere will just be crazy, and uh, it's going to be the first 
game, uh, you know, and against the team from the fourth pot, uh, there have been easier draws in the past. Let's just put it this way. <laughs> so, uh, uh, you know, I've I, I taken a look early at the team and uh, I'm surprised how many players I actually still know. And I've seen, uh, I don't know if you even frequent, but you have Gökhan Türe in your squad. You mm -hmm. used to play for Hamburg when they were still in the first division in Germany. Yeah. Good times. Yeah, he's a good util utility guy. You know, he doesn't play a ton these days, but certainly he's been very effective. Like, he actually came in, we we had, like, a ton of injuries late in, in our championship season last year, and he came in and played, like, three different positions late in the year, and, and actually quite well. So um, I'm glad you, re you recall that name. He, he made an impression in Germany, I guess. He was much more uh, <laughs> known when he was younger. I think he's sort of fallen off, but... Anyway. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, he's 29 now. When uh, I, I think when when he featured more prominently in German football, he was about I don't know, just early 20s or so. Uh, yeah, maybe, I mean, so yeah. I I know your your team captain uh, Vida from uh, Leverkusen days. Mm -hmm. Maybe in the and, Croatian uh, Croatian national side. Yeah, exactly. And of course, Alex Teixeira. I don't know if he if, is he a new addition. He is. He just came. Like we've we've pried him from China. You know, he took a, a bit of a vacation over over uh, in the east, but now he's he's come back <laughs> to Europe. We'll see how that goes. Um, our defensive midfielder was also like a once upon a time on the Brazilian national team with him, and so he recruited him. He he's actually he started with a bang in the Super League with us. So he could be a, a prime addition. We shall see. I mean, there's a lot of mysteries for us. And I guess when I show up on your podcast, I'll, I'll give you the lowdown on uh, how yeah. things are looking for us. But yeah, I mean, it's, it should be interesting. There's a lot of question marks, to be sure. Um, but so let's go back to you and your expertise, of course, being yeah, Dortmund. I was just going to say, perfect, question, uh, perfect segue, because a lot of question marks is also what describes versus Dortmund right now. There you go. Yeah, I, th I thought might, that might be the case. Dortmund do have a new coach in Marco Rose, who uh, obviously succeeded uh, Edin Tessic, uh, who has been uh, the interim coach uh, after Lucien Favre got sacked. Uh, and he did manage to not only win the German Cup, but more importantly, I think for the long-term survival of Borussia Dortmund, uh, heave them into Champions League football because Dortmund were below that cut for a very long time, obviously, uh, with the help of one Jaden Sancho, who has since left for 85 million plus add-on <laughs> fees to Manchester United. But of course, uh, everyone who reads about Borussia Dortmund these days will, uh, you know, most prominently read about Erling Haaland, who mm -hmm. was... Uh, you know, a, a budding star, if you will. Uh, I don't think it's uh, too too much uh, of, uh, you know, <laughs> it's it's not really hard to predict that he will be the best striker in the world in the next five, six years or so because he's just yeah. uh, an absolute phenom. He's an uh, explosive striker, uh, very physical, and just can bang the ball into the net like uh, hardly any other player. And... Uh, yeah, the only the only problem about his finishing is I think uh, the headers. But uh, yeah, he uh, already was the uh, top scorer in the last Champions League campaign with ten goals, and Dortmund uh, crashed out in the quarterfinal against Manchester City. So um, that tells you a lot about uh, how he's going about. I think uh, his his goal record for Dortmund is almost one goal per game, around uh, right about that average. So um, yeah. He's obviously the main guy in the Champions League for Dortmund, but uh, yeah, Dortmund have plenty of talent. Uh, 
but the, the the problem is that they also have a big injury malaise right now and we're recording this on Wednesday so basically one week before the game happens and I honestly don't know who will be available by the time this game kicks off because there might be more injuries more recoveries but I I don't know but I can I can uh, list a couple uh, in a while interesting that's very I mean yeah Erling Haaland is a is a man who has been haunting my uh, Twitter feed, you know, living rent-free in my head, um, just anticipating our match, you know, because that would certainly be the formula for a, a really rough uh, entry into the Champions League this season would be him. I, I just saw he scored a hat-trick for Norway, I think, and because uh, mm -hmm. Norway is in the same group as Turkey uh, for the World Cup qualifiers. So he's like, you know, for the last week between news for Besiktas in the Champions League and then um the the national side stuff it's just like every other f tweet is about Haaland and a highlight of a goal he's scoring or something for us to be scared of going forward or something it's yeah that's gonna be uh frightening to be sure i mean i'm usually not one to say you should be scared of player x y or z because uh, you know within the game i feel like almost every player in the world can be marked out of the game you know you seen it uh, with Ronaldo and Messi before, but Erling Haaland, honestly, uh, <laughs> if yeah. your centre-backs are named Vida and Wellington, then I, I would be a little scared, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I don't know two centre-backs who shouldn't be scared of him. Like, the, the goal I saw, well, he, one of the goals he scored against uh, for his national side was just like, it's not like he was even provided a chance. The ball was just like bouncing around. He, he like latched onto a volley and somehow... Was in the, I mean, yeah, I'm... I'm deathly afraid of that of that guy. Um. <clears throat> but that being said, Michi Batra is not a bad striker either. You know, when he played for Dortmund uh, half a year to be the uh, repa replacement for Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, I think he, he did a fantastic job. And a lot of Dortmund players wanted... Uh, Dortmund, Dortmund players... Uh, I, Dortmund fans, I, I guess, <laughs> uh, wanted uh, Dortmund to sign him permanently. But uh, I don't know if they even tried, but uh, yeah... Yeah, I didn't get him. I, I've certainly been very impressed so far. I mean, for us, <clears throat> excuse me, the talent is absolutely there. It's just going to be a question mark of because so, especially in attack, uh, so many pieces are new. Just how do they mesh? Do they come together in time? But so I guess that's a good sort of follow up to what you were saying about your roster. As far as the new additions go, this this recent transfer window that's just wrapped. You know, is is there anything exciting that's just come in? Um, yes and no. I mean, Borussia Dortmund did replace Jane Sancho, if you will, with Daniel Malen. Uh He uh, is a secondary striker from PSV. Uh, Jane Sancho, obviously, more of a winger and a midfielder, but uh, Dortmund are playing a bit of a different system now. Uh, they are playing, uh, usually under Marco Rose, a 4-4-2 in a diamond shape. So Daniel Malen will play off Haaland and... Uh, Seeing how how the uh, injury availability is, uh, he probably will have to start. Uh, so far, um, he has uh, struggled a little bit uh, coming into Dortmund. The first two or three games weren't uh, really anything, to be honest. But uh, the last game where Dortmund had a very dramatic 3-2 win against TSG Hoffenheim, um, he played much better, but uh, it's all still gelling a little bit and Dortmund also did improve quite drastically on the other end of the field uh, they signed goalkeeper Gregor Kobe maybe not as much of an improvement for the Champions League because previous goalkeeper Roman Bürki uh, always excelled in the European competitions 
But uh, yeah, Gregor Kobel is a way more modern goalkeeper than Bürki is because he's just way better as a sweeper keeper and uh, a bit more commanding presence in the box. But uh, that has not uh, helped Dortmund so far in their uh, everlasting struggle against set pieces because Dortmund have conceded six goals in the Bundesliga so far and half of them have come via set pieces. So uh, I think... If you're Besiktas on the training ground, what you will train for the most is uh, corner kicks uh, to the uh, first post and then trying to flick them onto to the far post and then scoring a tap-in from there because that's sort of the meth- method that Dortmund uh, are very susceptible to for however reason. And uh, yeah, that's... Interesting. We have a specialist for that, <laughs> sort of. I mean, as much as you can, right? Like Those are always sort of... Um, trick shots, but yeah, that's that's interesting. But it also sounds familiar. We have the same. I mean, I think interestingly, uh, in a relative sense, right, from the Super League to the Bundesliga, we're probably playing similarly as far as like being the dominant sides, the more talented in our leagues, right, respectively, against each other. Yeah. Obviously, you guys are probably gonna wipe the floor with us, at least in theory, on paper. But um, you know, but so I think you know we probably also have most of the possession right and and uh if we lose it's typically not expected especially to some of the smaller sides but then there are theoretically larger sides like we have glad you have i guess Bayern, if you want to call it. i mean whatever i'm not gonna i'm not gonna terrorize you with <laughs> making you deal with Bayern munich on our podcast um so i you've done great as far as answering almost all of my questions in a nice like roundabout way without making me um, spell out each one. Um, and you've even touched now, most recently, on your form in the Bundesliga. How have you guys been doing so far, right? Your league is up and running. Um, are you... Yeah. So, yeah. so Dortmund have blown out Eintracht Frankfurt in the first game because Dortmund, when they play the home opener, or the opener at home, um, then they usually destroy the team, and then it's very typical for them to completely fall on the sword <laughs> in the... Mm-hmm. Next game, so usually we have overreaction Monday after the first match day where Dortmund will definitely win the league and then we have overreaction uh, Monday yet again the next following weekend where Dortmund are uh, the same old terrible team they've always been. So the truth lies a little bit in the middle. Um, uh, I mean, for the most part, the team did stay together. The only problem is that uh, they have so many injuries that it's still a bit of a Mm mix-up. And... uh, you know, with the European uh, Championships going on, there are so many players that hardly had any preseason. So um, it's a little bit slow. Dortmund are not, uh, you know, finding their flow whatsoever, um, and it's going to be very tedious the next couple of weeks. So um, you never really know what you get with them right now. Against Besiktas, they can come there and win five nothing, but they can easily also get pounds three to one. So um, it's. It's a bit of a struggle, um, especially in defense. Uh, Centre-back Mats Hummels has had a lot of problems. He's uh, obviously um, one of the best centre-backs in the world when it comes to uh, build-up play. You know, he's uh, not the youngest anymore. He's 32 years old and uh, his uh, positioning is usually very good, but he's not the fastest anymore. Um, But the other guy right now, Manuel Akanji, he has been uh, on an absolute tear. So at least from him, Dortmund have gotten good performances. Uh, on the left side, Dortmund have Rafael Guerrero, who is a playmaking left back. So he uh, has obviously his strengths more on the front foot. 
and uh, is usually very involved in Dortmund's build-up plays. So Besiktas will have to really keep a close eye on him uh, because a lot of uh, plays really start and end with him. Um, now, the, the main problem Dortmund have is the right-back position because uh, Lukas Piszczek, really old uh, veteran, quit and retired basically from, from professional football and uh, has left a gaping hole that Dortmund have not replaced really. They signed Thomas Meunier one season ago, but uh, yeah, the guy they signed on a free from PSG right now has only disappointed and I think is also coming back from international break with an injury. Ooh. He might be available by then, but uh, it's a question mark. And the other guy Dortmund have sort of as a backup for the backup uh, is Felix Paslak, who uh, has really struggled. So he's a youth player from Dortmund who has been on loan uh, a couple of seasons and is now back because um, Dortmund just need anyone for, for that position to cover. So, um, yeah, if if he has to play, then I assume that's where Besiktas should attack. In any case, uh, Dortmund's, from, from your perspective, left side uh, should be the uh, most vulnerable spot. That's... Very informative, very interesting stuff. And also a lot of similarities. We um, have a few holes that we've sort of been perpetually trying to fill. Ours is ironically the other side. It's the left back where we have perhaps a couple questions. But for the most part, you know, we have very similar situations. It's, it's very, it's interesting to hear all of that. Um, finally, I guess, and, you know, again, I don't want to do too much comparison because I'll get into Besiktas on your show. Uh, let's let's move on to our final question. Um, you've sort of already addressed playing style as far as like tactic and formation. Um, I guess to wrap that up quickly, how would you describe the style itself? Is it more possession oriented, like going for, are you, are you good on the counter? You know, how do you approach? Yes and yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Borussia Dortmund's main strength is their transition play um, because they have very fast players and uh, players that can uh, play very fast uh, from, from the passing play. So basically, Mahmoud Dahoud is uh, our anchor in midfield. He's uh, the number six player. He is extremely good at, uh, after winning position, pinging the ball forward just so that Dortmund players can counter. Daniel Malen, Erling Haaland are extremely fast. Uh, Marco Reus uh, is not as fast as he used to be, but he is obviously a world-class midfielder. Uh, yeah, you know, just uh, recently was a uh, you know played for Germany again. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, uh, he, was that great news for you guys? Like, do you feel like yeah, he's obviously. back, like for real? Yeah, yeah. The on- the only problem is that he picked up some knee problems, but it should mm-hmm. not be too much of a concern. But uh, yeah, he is obviously also a very smart player on the counter-attack, really knows how to drag out uh, position defenders. Uh, sometimes he creates space just by his runs. And uh, yeah, he's very, very smart in that area. Also, when it comes to pressing, uh, Marco Reus is uh, uh, yeah, second to none almost uh, to, to have that sort of player. So um, yeah, and of course, uh, I should never fail to mention Jude Bellingham because uh, he's only 18 years old, but right now he is on an extreme ascent. Mm. Uh, he's playing a sort of number eight, so right side in that diamond or, or left side. I don't know. He's usually all over the field, um, but he's a midfielder that uh, likes to dribble a lot um, quite recently and is uh, excelling at it. And uh, yeah, really a ball chaser uh, in, the, in the better sense of the word. Uh, 
crunching tackles, so he is someone that can clean up, but also uh, progress the ball forward quite well. And then uh, on the other side of him, I don't know if Gio Reyna will be fit by then. Then uh, Dong will have Julian Brandt, who uh, is supremely talented, but fails to show it consistently and is someone who, uh, yeah, takes a little nap every time it's uh, his part, uh, you know, <laughs> to defend and run back. But um, so yeah, to, to, to wrap this up a little bit, so Dortmund, when they manage to, to counter against teams, they are often quite successful on it. But uh, nevertheless, most time that playing style is uh, uh, very possession oriented because uh, that's just what teams sort of force them to do, to have a lot of ball possession. And Dortmund have over the years developed uh, a style where they are very comfortable on the ball. Yeah, and very aesthetic too, right? I mean, you guys play nicely. It's it's well known, yeah. you know. That's something I'm certainly weary of going into our match. Yeah, interesting, very interesting. Um, I, I think interesting is actually the right word to describe Borussia Dortmund's football because they are uh, a team always or most of the time on the front foot and uh, when they are not, then they are often leaking goals. So uh, usually <laughs> if you're a neutral person watching Borussia Dortmund, you should be entertained because their games are hardly ever dull. Yeah, and you, you don't see a lot of clean sheets, right? Uh, no. That's interesting. Very interesting. None so far this season. <laughs> I, I like that, though. I mean, and you guys have similarly, like, won twice just like us. And you let one slip. We, we drew once. So it's actually like there are a lot of similarities coming into our match, which is fairly fascinating in and of itself. Now, last question, and this is probably the most important, I guess, for, for you guys as far as, like, your ambitions and all that. Where do you see yourselves in this Champions League? And I, I know you've sort of perennially been in the knockout rounds of the Champions League, gotten through the group stages. You've sort of, in recent years, advanced back to that status of being a kind of perennial quarter-finalist, um, with a couple exceptions, but whatever. Um, you think this is the year it can come together? And by the way, I forgot about Gio Reyna. You guys always have a, a good <laughs> gringo, huh? A good gringo on staff. <laughs> um, sorry. Uh, but no, it's interesting. Um, yeah, what do you think? Champions League, what do you think is doable for you guys? Um, I think Dortmund are always in the range with a bit of uh, luck that they can even make a semifinal. I don't think that's unheard of. I mean, RB Leipzig recently, I think two seasons or three seasons ago, managed to uh, reach the semi-final. So, um, yeah, you can obviously do that. I think realistically Dortmund are aiming for the quarter-final. Um, you know, especially if you finish your group uh, on top, then uh, you should, in theory, get the easier draw for the round of 16. And uh, when you do that, you should reach the quarter-final. But obviously it's a very strong group. It's a very even group. So I don't know if Dortmund will finish top of the group. I think I actually I I don't bet, but I do like to look at betting uh, odds just to see how how the book bookies sort of uh, project the group. And I think Dortmund are uh, the favorites, and then behind it's uh, Ajax, if I recall correctly. And then I think it's uh, I don't know if it was Besiktas or Sporting uh, in in third and fourth, but uh, it's all very close and even. I yeah. think from yeah. All the groups, uh, maybe there's there's one other group, I think it was Group G or so, um, where it was even a bit more even. I think that was the group with the Lille, uh, Sevilla, Wolfsburg and mm -hmm. another team that I don't remember right now from the top of my head. But uh, yeah, I th I'm really looking forward to this Champions League group stage because I know there will be so much drama and uh, 
everyone I think is going into this uh, quite hopeful because the really big names are absent. You know, the PSGs, the mm-hmm. Man Cities, the uh, yeah. I, I don't know if I want to call Barcelona a big name anymore after yeah, they have gone. Broke, but <laughs> <That's right. laughs> but uh, you know what I I mean. So I think for everyone sure, yeah. is 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 uh, cautiously optimistic, and uh, I think that counts for Dortmund, who are obviously the favorites. But uh, you know, I've seen Ajax a couple of times, and they're mighty strong as well. Um, positive for Ajax is also that uh, they. Um, are gelling quite early in the season and mm-hmm. don't really have too many struggles uh, when when it comes to uh, finding their feet and their automatism and uh, that's something that Dortmund partially have hmm. and um, maybe something real quick that will help Dortmund in the Champions League that they have so much experience now in this competition that they actually approach this competition quite maturely you know usually there are not that many boneheaded mistakes and uh, it's it's helped them quite clearly in in, in recent years. So uh, my assumption is that if if Besiktas don't really uh, you know come up to the the Champions League night level that you you need and and be completely focused, that this will be punished. Yeah, for sure. No, I mean we we have the most capacity to do the worst, I would say. But I like you said also, I think it's it's a strange group. I mean, people wouldn't refer to it as. The group of death, probably, but um, it is interestingly even, right? Like, and we always get these groups somehow, and, and we've done well historically with groups like these. Um, perhaps historically we could rely more on being underestimated, right? And now I think people, you know, like the IX guys have sort of already called us out as like the dark horses and... You know, I don't know. After the last Euro performance for Turkey, where they were the supposed dark horses, I'm not. Right. I'm not right. so comfortable I, I think with I, that. Turkey almost going to the final or something in my in my match in my in my tournament tree prediction, yeah. and yeah, that that was quite wrong. But I got the <laughs> final right. Only uh, I think I picked England over Italy. But wow. uh, okay. let's not digress because I actually I actually need to. You go. gotta go exactly. Yeah, I thought that was the case. Um, well, let's chat more on your podcast. I look forward to it. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, finally, where can our listeners uh, find you on Twitter? You know, do you have any projects to, to plug on your way out? Uh, not really. You can follow me on Twitter at Stefan Butzko, which uh, you will not be able to spell uh, <laughs> just by hearing it. But uh, more importantly, you can uh, follow us at Yellow Wall Pod. That's one word, and uh, obviously. Uh, our podcast is named after the Südtribüne in Dortmund, the Yellow Wall. So uh, if you just type that into YouTube or iTunes or whatever, you should be able to find it somehow. Um, I, I'm sure you've seen them. We'll put it in the show notes anyway. Yes, so, I was going to say, yeah. And I'll, I'll spell your name out for everyone. <laughs> in on, I think our episode will drop on Monday evening. So probably, probably Tuesday. It's going to be a bit cramped, but uh, that's how the schedule is right now. Yeah, that's life. That's how it goes these days. Two matches a week, every week, right? It's uh, it's intense. Fast and furious. Um, thank you so much, Stefan. It was a pleasure having you on the podcast. Great to meet you. Uh, really insightful stuff that I think we can all say that we're more informed about your club. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you very much, Stefan. Uh, Just, yeah, great interview. Very knowledgeable. I think we covered just about as many bases as we could. Um, 
crammed it in because I was late, but still, I think uh, we, we really did go over, go through all the questions I had prepared, so um, hopefully not too impacted by my tardiness. Uh, again, apologies to Mr. Butsko. Um, follow him. Uh, definitely follow him on Twitter, at Stefan Butsko. I'll spell it out for you folks. S-T-E-F-A-N-B-U-C-Z-K-O. Uh, and of course, follow the podcast at Yellow Wall Pod, one word. Um, yeah, the the sort of the big Dortmund podcast, which just happens to be an English language one. So certainly, while you're prepping for them, if you want to know all there is to know about who we're going to be coming up against, check them out. I certainly scattered them out a bit when I was preparing for their podcast, which I will be appearing on. So yeah, you'll hear more about that in the days to come as well. If you want to, if you want to check that out. Typically, that's where I'll talk more about Besiktas. So it'll be a supplemental Besiktas podcast for, for our listeners. So definitely, I'll link you guys to them. And I'll obviously link you to him in the podcast description. But yeah, like I said, at Stefan Butsko, S-T-E-F-A-N-B-U-C-Z-K-O. Um, yeah, and at Yellow Wall Pod, one word. So yeah, without further ado, let me just wrap this thing up. Um, next up is our match. We have a match incoming, which I'll talk about briefly uh, and I'll preview in a moment. But uh, yeah, as far as our final opponent in the Champions League goes, that is of course Sporting Lisbon, uh, Lisboa. I'll talk about them hopefully with someone. I'll, I'll dig around for someone for that for that last one. That's the one we have the, the longest wait for, so we're not going to see them till October. So I don't feel too bad about that being the, the one that we haven't got to yet. Um, I can tell a funny anecdotal story. I, I lived in Lisbon, actually, um, for much of a year coming out of, out of university. And uh, yeah, I actually had some interesting uh, interactions with uh, sporting fans. Um, I'll tell that story on another day, perhaps with uh, a guest. I'll put him on the spot, but anyway. Stay tuned. Um, Besiktas is going to be hosting Yeni Malatya Sport this coming Saturday. Uh, for those of us on the eastern seaboard of the United States, for the few of our listeners who are here, uh, that's going to be at 1 p.m. Check your local listings. Again, that's Saturday, September 11th. Um, I, I did mention that between Malatya, Kasimpasha, and Hatay, I wanted us to get at least nine points, but or sorry, rather, at least seven points, but ideally all nine because we have all of our guys now. Uh, with that said, Alex Teixeira, we're, we're waiting to see if he'll be fit enough to play. Supposedly he is. He's already begun training. So that should be, you know, should have clearance to go, if you will. Um, quickly to talk a little bit about Yeni Malatya uh, and what to expect from them. They're coming off a 2-0 victory against Gaziantep. Uh, which, as we all know, is fairly decent opposition. Before that, they beat Guztepe on the road. Um, so they're two, they've won two in a row, but the, their season opener was a, a heavy loss to Trabzon. Uh, one to five, also on the road. Oh, no, sorry, I, I, sorry, rather at home they lost one to five. So that's just a terrible out, output from them. Uh, but, you know, they seem to have sort of righted the ship uh, and they're back on course for a... a Maybe a decent season, after all. Uh, I'll quickly talk about who they have and what you know what they're doing with their lineup. 
Um, they're playing an interesting kind of 3-5-2. Slightly more modern take on the game for, for Turkish football. Uh, as far as guys you might recognize in the lineup, um, of course there's Adem Buyuk, who's a, a long-time Turkish League stalwart. Benjamin Tete, a 24-year-old striker from Ghana, is uh, featuring for them. Uh, Rayane Abid, um, French midfielder that some might recognize the name of. And then, uh, of course, Sadiq Chiftpina, who's returned from Fenech. Uh, I don't know about returned. Uh, I think he played for Malatya before he joined Fener. But now that I think about it, yeah, it was as I researched on the spot. In fact, so yeah, he's making he's made his return. I guess Fener finally gave up on that. Another interesting name, perhaps for some, is uh, Semi Kaya on their back line. So you know, some some names that many will recognize uh, who follow the Super League. Um, but besides that, you know, I think we should expect three points, right? Lo logically. With that said, I guess you never know. Um, it's the Super League. Anything can happen, right? Uh, but yeah, cross your fingers. Let's hope we do that. We do as well as, as we can. I'll knock on wood for anyone who's a little superstitious. Um, but yeah, so stay tuned for that. Again, that's Saturday, September 11th. Um, for us New Yorkers, that's a significant date, I suppose. I hadn't even put that together. But anyway, um, I'll of course be watching Besiktas, and I'll be reporting on that match, as I typically do. Uh, but I'll wait till all the other matches are completed for match day four in the Super League um, until our next episode. So there'll be a little a little air for us to, uh, maybe for you to review these Champions League opponents and these previews that I'm presenting for you. So, yes, that's it. That's all I have to say. Um, once again, thank you, Stefan, and thanks again to the, the gentlemen over at We Talk IX. Um, yeah, and stay tuned for more, everyone, as always. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Eagles underscore podcast. Follow myself at Sir underscore rights underscore a lot. Um, follow us on Instagram, Black Eagles Podcast, one word. And, of course, it's pretty important going into this coming week, right? Uh, Champions League. Super League, it's all coming back, hot and heavy. So uh, it's very vital that I remind us all to say, Let's go, Magic Dash! Peace out, everyone. Besiktas International hopes you enjoyed this program.